The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hail Varsity Radio on a Saturday morning. Nice to have you alongside Mark Franek. Alongside, what do we got, Elijah? I'm blind. Damon today. Damon Barr. Damon. Damon, good morning to you, sir. Damon Barr is in the house, running the controls in Lincoln. I'm stationed in Omaha. I mean, we're spread out geographically here in Nebraska to cover the big day. And Chris will be in in a little bit. Um, we're spread out to cover the, today's the big day. It is the third time, the third schedule that may happen for Nebraska in 2020. I mean, we had the original schedule. COVID hit, came out with a modified 10-game schedule. Season was canceled, and it it was not going to be revisited. Well, it's been revisited. Now we have yet another schedule. Nebraska is going to play... Six divisional games, so we know what those are. We just don't know when and in what order. Six divisional games and then two crossovers against the East as we might have football in 2020. We might, but I don't know. Are you skeptical about how restrictive the return to football measures are in the Big Ten? I kind of am. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to start. I don't want to. It's a, it's a big day. Nine o'clock today is when the schedules are released. Nine a.m. It's going to be on Fox. Um, I don't want to be skeptical. I want to be excited. It's going to be good. But let's break it down a little. Let's break it down. If, if so, if you have, if the the Big Ten states in this return to football, in, in their return to football protocols that the entire conference is adopting. If seven and a half percent of your team tests positive, you ain't playing ball. It's over. Team is shut down for what? Damon, check me on this. I've been trying to trying to keep up with all of it. Seven and a half percent of your team tests positive. Every no football for twenty one days. Mm-hmm. Now seven and a half people said that's. Nebraska carries a roster of about a buck fifty. So let's do some quick math. You're talking math? like if eleven we're, we're, guys. We're doing math this morning. Yeah, let's do math. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. If you if you're gonna do if if you're gonna have eleven or twelve guys, then that's going to be enough to suspend football operations for three weeks in a in an eight game schedule. Well, I guess nine total in a nine game schedule uh, that has zero bye weeks, zero flexibility built in on top of the fact that the testing that the Big Ten has secured is super sensitive. I mean, it is the, the thing I read about it. The antigen testing is that it is actually going to detect a level of virus that till now you haven't been able to detect. So people that have a low level of the virus, this kind of testing, which they are going to do daily, which you are going to get back results immediately, basically. They're going to do this daily testing 
and it's going to detect it's it's sensitive. It's going to detect a level of virus that we have not seen before. So you put all that together. So these are people that it's sort of run of the mill testing. They would go and get they would come back as negative. Like, nope, you don't have it. Well, not with this test. You might have it. It it, it covers you if you if you even have the virus at a pre-infection stage. So skeptically, I'm just wondering here, <laughs> is is this really set up for success? It's set up for safety, Cranach. It is a high, high, high bar that Michael Jordan and Dr. J and, I don't know, Eric Strickland can reach if we're just <laughs> talking about guys with ups. And it's a bar that programs, I think, like Nebraska, who've been pretty committed, can aspire to meet. I don't worry about Nebraska. I look at Michigan State, my Lord, their news yesterday with the positive tests and just the roadblock that is. And it was going to be a hell of a year anyway for Coach Mel Tucker. I mean, everyone's going to be wearing name, name tags through week four. So it's... It's stuff you had to agree on. It was concession-driven. Uh, obviously, you had the, the, the president's revote. You had a wonderful presentation uh, three-part a week ago with the schedule, with the TV, and with the health and safety side. And you got six votes to swing. So you've got no fans. You do have a schedule drop at 9 this morning. That's good. It's 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 some temporary I, excitement. I don't disagree with you. They're like, man, this is, it's like, uh, as our old buddy Bill Dolman says, as we've referred to this saga as Revenge of the Nerds, you got the Alpha Betas versus the uh, Lambda Lambda Lambdas, you know, Ellie Gilbert and Lewis, you can figure out who's the jocks and who's the dorks. And the, the bar that's set to return to play is phenomenal, but I'll say this, all the things you outlined and detailed about how good these tests are. Yeah. I mean, look at Houston and Baylor. Like we're talking 24 hours ahead of kickoff. Oops. Due to contact tracing. All right. So at least you won't have that. <laughs> You'll get your hopes crushed ahead of time. <laughs> that level of tease is, is being reduced by this yeah, testing. Right. Okay. I mean, you'll you'll have to cry it out probably a couple of times into your pillow at some point this season. In the corner, uh, holding your knees in the shower. Right. I mean, rocking uh, Jim. It's, it's Jim Carrey with the plunger. All right. <laughs> so it, it's going to be difficult, but I think it can be done. I don't know that you get nine in. You're gonna try. No, like hell no. But you're gonna get some. No. You're gonna get some semblance, right? You are. And but, it's gonna come down to who is committed and who's not, and it's gonna be an opportunity for Ohio State to play for and try and win a title. It's gonna be an opportunity for Penn State to maybe try and dethrone Ohio State, and it's an opportunity for Cranek uh, for Nebraska and Frost. I mean. There's a lot of things that Bill Moose said this week that are super important, and Moose has been an incredible leader through this. So is Scott Frost. So is Ronnie Green. So is uh, Teddy. We gonna play Carter, but 
he thinks, eh, we have a chance to be very, very good. All right? Yeah. yeah. And Bill Moose has prognosticated pretty accurately his time here. So I look at Whether Nebraska, or not we liked it. Right. I, I, Bill Moose says we had a chance to be pretty, pretty good. Well, I'll take that and, and run with it. And whether Nebraska wins due to forfeit or whether Nebraska gets seven games in or they get the full nine because of their opponent, so be it. I'm anxious to see this schedule. How is it stacked out of the yeah. gate? Do you ease in? Do you hit mm-hmm. the ground running? Or is it uh, is it heavy out of the gate? And, I, you know, we talked to some folks from Ohio State this week. They're uh, pretty sure that it's going to be Nebraska in Columbus at some point this year. That's how I in want fact, it. In fact, some sites are reporting it's yeah, it's not. You can't take it to the bank yet. Week one, potentially. <laughs> Welcome back to football. <laughs> Nebraska in Columbus, week one. Mm. It's possible. We'll find out at nine. Hey, fine with me, man. Hey, fine with me. Those are the I two mean, teams that wanted to play the, 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 the most, the worst. Let them square off. See who's ready. I'm good. I can wait. <laughs> I don't know if I want to start the year like that. Look, now they, they got to start. A, they got to start the year too. All right. Look, well, okay, that's very nice. You do recall. No, I know. How last year went down. Right? Speaking of crying in the shower, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, <laughs> look, the the competitor in me is saying, "Bring it on," but then the sort of realistic person to me is just assessing the program because you don't want that see you can just like imagine worst case scenario it's another 40 something to nothing spot right you don't you don't want that you don't want that and then you don't want the you don't want the the narrative the week after oh nebraska shot their mouth off nebraska sued the conference nebraska got as uh, our, our rewind guest Rob Zadiska says, a dirt road ass kicking. I mean, you don't want that just kind of floating out there as, oh, hey, welcome back to football, Nebraska. Ohio State just tuned you up. Hey, no. I mean that that and that's your that's your uh, that's your welcome back to football. But you know what? A lot, a, can, yeah, a lot can change point, from yeah. week one to week to week nine. That's right. I mean. Justin Fields could catch COVID, right? <laughs> maybe maybe they, <laughs> there's a chance. Crank there's edge. a chance that could you're, happen. You're already throwing out the – well, you know, they can catch COVID too. Man. <laughs> wow. Just like start to hire people that are infected to just like <laughs> go to the Ohio State dorm room. The old Ferris right. Bueller's Day off scene. <laughs> Somebody shows up with balloons at your door. I hear it's your birthday. <laughs> I mean, look, hey, I'd be all about it if, if Nebraska could. I mean, imagine that, by the way. Imagine if it was Ohio State week one. Imagine if Nebraska, like, pulls it off on the road. That's right. This place would, this place would come unglued. You would, and then the first time Nebraska has a home game, even though there's no fans allowed, I think the fans would probably just storm the gates. <laughs> they would, they <laughs> like, would climb. They would climb over the uh, the, the fences. Uh, all of a like, sudden, it's not. Wow, uh, that's awesome. So and so has got a big family. Like we're talking South End Zone big. 
Yeah. Who do we got on the horn? We got Gary coming up. All right. Gary, thanks for listening this morning. Go ahead. So these are my choices. I get to see uh, uh, no football, or I get to see Nebraska get crushed by Ohio State, right? Right. Well, you guys is that, just is that what it's come to? News. Hey, welcome to 2020, Gary. The good news is we've got football back. And the good news is, uh, and the and the good news is, is this a bad news, good news kind of thing? It's yeah, I got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is you might be leading off with Ohio State. The good news is you're leading off with Ohio State. So uh, this was this was done uh, on a serious note. This was done. You know, I was listening earlier. You know, you were talking about whether or not we were set up to fail or succeed. So, uh, how how if this test is so sensitive, how how possible or impossible is it to get a false test one way or the other? See, that's the whole thing with this with the testing, how it's being touted, anyways, is its accuracy. Yeah, and okay. and its ability to detect a level of virus that you otherwise cannot detect, and and so it's it's like pre a pre infection level of the virus. So what I want to figure out is like the semantics of, hey, so say you do test positive for it, but it's pre infection level. Does that count? Does that count as? Is that a positivity rate? Yeah. Yeah. And and, that's, and, and that's think about numbers unknown. here. That's Sorry to cut you off. Right now, is that right? One more time, Sorry. Gary. I said that's the unknown part, right? We don't know how they're going to do that yet, or have they said if if there is any kind of a positive test at all, you're going to sit. We don't I know think, the threshold. I don't, I don't know. I have no clue oh, about okay. the threshold. Don't know yet, but I I think I would lean that way if we if we had to guess. That's probably what it is. And then so if you think about Nebraska having a roster of 150 guys. That's basically what thirteen. You'd have to round it off because seven and a half percent's the threshold. You'd have to go over that, but approximately thirteen guys on the team at well, any given point and phew, shut down for twenty. Here's the days. thing, though. I mean, it, it's a third of the season, but it's 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 uh, it's it's number of tests that are positive divided by total number of tests. So, being the smartass this morning, I think you just test a hell of a lot of people associated with the program. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Okay. Just give me, give me, give me more answers on the test. All right. So, like, you if, guys, if Coach Frost definitely does day. not see you, have Gary. Thanks for thanks for listening. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, Mark. Thanks, Gary. So, if if you're if you're Scott if you're uh, Nebraska then and you know Scott Frost doesn't have you just test him forty eight times. Could to skew the numbers a little bit. That you're is like, I don't know absolutely. About wrong well, and we are not saying that is even remotely being considered we are no, just I'm, joking yeah and that that outside linebacker over there i don't know he i think he's got it test him once you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one time sort of skewing the number i don't know and it's gonna you gotta you got look into it more um i i wouldn't say there's been a ton outside of the day of the release uh, in the way of details that's been put out, put out prominently anyways. Um, but worth looking at, worth looking at because that, that's what you're talking about. You have this sensitive testing protocol. You have a roster of 150 guys. You're basically saying if 13 of them have it, you're out. The thing, and, and there's no wiggle room. The thing that's good about this COVID test that's rapid 
that is got a level here of, you know, what what's your positivity rate? What's your pre-infection rate? Okay, it's a great test. It, it's an it's like, amazing test, but I in think terms it, of viral management and all that virus yeah. management, fantastic. I wish this thing was spread all over the country, but sorry. I'll say this: this allows you to keep your room intact. Mm-hmm. So it's That's not it's not a situation where if one quarterback is positive, everyone else is wiped off, and it's me or Damon or you starting at, at quarterback. All right. We're going to do a lot of handoff or a lot of wildcat. <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to call the Terminator back. Like, Diedrich, you go in, wildcat. Uh-huh. Just take the snap and stay the hell away from the quarterback room. Uh, I, th- I don't think it's, it's, it's going to wipe out a room with this testing capability. It may take a player off the roster and goodbye a third of the year, but it doesn't mean that the rest of your room's knocked out, which is, which is great. From a from a from a contact tracing standpoint, I want to spend a couple more seconds on the schedule. We had a great sit down with Rob Zadiska, Doctor Rob, Husker uh, legend and part of the pipeline. He'll break down this testing further for us, and we'll get his take on the offensive line. But you can be optimistic, you can be cheerful. I can also understand how you, as a fan, are emotionally spent. And just drained because you're waiting another month, but at least you got the answer you want. And I think I'm going to focus and center here on the the reflective part of what got us here. And that's just the work and the never say die attitude of Nebraska, their administration and and their head coach. And I think that needs, I mean, it's been highlighted and circled. I get it, but do you realize what just got pulled off? Yeah, you look, you yeah. you looked into a super elitist conference board with a bunch of chancellors and presidents that were so damn worried about being right and first as well as health and safety, but if I'm going to if I'm going to look at the scale, it's more about ego and trying to be the leader which is followed that jumped the gun on this thing. And th- this looked very bleak. I mean, I, I was, I was holding, I had, my candle was lit forever. It almost went out. It did go out uh, last week and then it flipped 180. And this was executed beautifully by the folks at Nebraska at Ohio state. And then you had some help with Barry Alvarez, Sandy Barber and Ohio state kind of, they found their voice with their medical people as kind of the uh, the big dog in the conference that helped flip this. And I want to give some credit, and it's not been handed out a lot, but you got Uncle Morty up at Northwestern, Shapiro, who said, yeah, let's, let's listen. Let's look at this. So you had some people change their mind. Uh, and you have a commissioner that still needs to stay off camera because he's just awful. And, and worthless, but Hell, yeah. but but the point is, is it got shifted. You do have a chance, man, and that's all that 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 matters. Well, and dude, you know, as Mike Riley would have said, was it hip hip hooray for, for good old fashioned? Mike would have said, "Where am I?" It so two cheers, hip hip hooray, whatever you want to call it. For 
just plain old grassroots activism. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that right. Like that mattered in this case that like the voice of the people would they would not be. Think about this. You had <laughs> you had like a, a Glenn Snodgrass being interviewed on Fox News. Mm-hmm. Like what? Good old coach. In what world would that have otherwise? Right. Like that's to to escalate things to that level. To get that much attention. These parents that don't live anywhere near each other, that have maybe met each other at one, two, three, four, five games in the past over a weekend, parents living in Minnesota, some in Nebraska, some in Texas, New Jersey, parents in Florida, they rally together. They they retain an attorney. The attorney's a good attorney, <laughs> knows what he's doing. This the attorney general gets involved and starts saying, you know, now that we look at your nonprofit status, looks like you are not in compliance. You are out of order, sir. And then that happens in Ohio, and there's people demonstrating at the Big Ten offices in Chicago. Then the players are bringing forth a lawsuit. Like, come on. Like, that was an immense pressure campaign. Each one of those things by themselves, maybe not a huge deal, an eyebrow raiser, but there were a lot of them, right? I mean, parents united demanding certain things, attorneys general demanding things, player petitions from Ohio State, player lawsuits from Nebraska, high profile national interviews. I mean, an immense grassroots pressure campaign moved things. It changed stuff. That's amazing. That is, I mean, that is amazing. That is an amazing situation just in the history of college athletics period. I mean, what the hell did we just go through? <laughs> right. I mean, it has been absolutely incredible. It's boot camp. How the whole thing is unfolded since early August. You know what? And back to Ohio state, if and when Nebraska opens the year with them, brother, it's nothing to lose. You got house money. Nah. You got nothing to lose. You almost beat them once. They took it to you last year. They are loaded and hungry for a title run. It ain't going to be in your favor because they are the conference darling and hope. As a big part of why you got back here from a, well, Ohio State's got a chance to go win a national championship. That argument didn't fall on deaf ears. So we'll see at nine if it is Nebraska-Ohio State to kick things off. Uh, you can learn a lot from playing the best, and that's where you want to get back to being. So yeah, I, you go at you it. Want, you, yeah, right. You want the program to be back to the point to where you don't bat an eye at that. right? It's, we've sort of become conditioned over – last 10 years or so to be like, Oh God, look at that schedule. Mm-hmm. As opposed to looking at it as cool. Let's go. <laughs> right. Just cause I don't know. Fear of the past, <laughs> fear of experience in the past. Uh, you know, you hope you get that. You hope they get to that point where they can roll up to Columbus, be competitive if nothing else. Yeah. Just be respectful. Yeah. And, and I know the effort will be there. Uh, We'll step away and uh, get caught up with Dr. Rob. Our chat with Dr. Rob was Tuesday of this week when momentum was all sorts uh, in the right direction. All we were awaiting was the announcement officially, but we felt really good that it was going to happen. 
So, Dr. Rob will take us through this testing, and uh, we'll get some offensive line synopsis from him. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity, the big reveal coming up here at 9, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now, back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Doc Talk, incredible podcast with uh, this Husker standout, legend, and Hall of Famer. Uh, the pride of Lincoln East is Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob joins us. Rob, uh, good day today. If you're a Nebraska fan, all we need is the, uh, well, the ink to dry and, and send to be pressed on the computer. How are you? I am well. I mean, that's what it sounds like, so I'm pretty optimistic here. Yeah, that's that's the word. Now, Pete Thamel uh, has uh, jumped on Twitter, uh, one of the national writers, and uh, with Pete, he's uh, the Yahoo dude, and Says no official word yet about a Big Ten restart has trickled down to Big Ten coaches. Many programs have been proceeding, planning the past few days for October 17th, uh, pending the upcoming vote decision. But a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. Maybe later this evening around 7.30 or 8, potentially. Uh, that's where we can shoot for. And uh, the old hot mic, uh, only in Nebraska, Rob. <laughs> Well, and I mean, it's you know what, in this day and age, it's one of those things where, one, if I'm in the media, I'm never turning the microphone off to begin with. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you're behind a microphone, man, you better assume that puppy's on and it's recording. So it's just, that's just kind of the, now I don't say that as a criticism of uh, President Carter, but um, it's just, it's. It, it is what it is, and kind of that news slipped out, and I think he was just kind of making small talk conversation. But uh, I was going to say, I mean, it, it kind of jumped out there pretty quick, and sounds like it's the real deal. It does, and uh, I want to kind of get your thoughts on uh, a lot of things, but I, I'd love your take on put your medical scrubs back on if you're if you're not out of them yet dr rob and <laughs> give me a thought here just lay out in uh schmidt barely past fourth grade terms uh just this this rapid testing i know the price points money and i know the the um the the, the testing has been fairly accurate but just from your medical background, how it kind of came to be. I know Illinois had it for the students. It's been about a month. And just how, how this process works medically for it to emerge, because this has kind of been the hammer that helped, helped the Big Ten at least get to, to this point for hopefully restarting. Well, I think it is. Now, this kind of goes back to when all of this first started, sort of one of the key things in terms of dealing with any kind of infectious disease, pandemic, epidemic, on whatever level, is being able to test for it. And especially when you've got a a disease like this where you do have those asymptomatic carriers. You've got some people who are truly not going to be affected by this. And, in fact, it might actually be the majority of people not affected by this. Now, that doesn't mean people aren't going to be affected by it. And when you get down to kind of looking at some of these issues, we've talked about the myocarditis, Mm -hmm whether that truly is or isn't going to have an impact on this is going to be hard to tell. 
but the main thing is is that if you can if you've got kind of this point of care testing and what i mean by that is literally take a test you've got results in an incredibly timely fashion that you can take a test know those results within a matter of minutes and i've i'm hearing anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes with these these rapid testings that they have. The nice thing about it is, is that you can turn around and, and test a huge number of people in a very short amount of time and make a decision in terms of playing a football game, being able to take these guys and say, hey, okay, these three guys tested positive, the other 80 guys didn't, we're going to head, go ahead and play the football game. Um, and so it gives you that ability to literally kind of pull that trigger on the spot on game day and feel like at least you've got a relatively safe margin of error here to move forward and play football games, knowing that you've got guys that probably are not positive. And so that's that's something we haven't had here. If you think about it in terms of all the other tests, you're looking at – Maybe 24 hours on the short end, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably closer to two to three days on average in terms of a lot of the previous uh, testing methods that they had out there. Well, it, that kind of you, you don't have that ability with those longer term tests where it takes you one, two, three days to get those results back. And so that's why this is a game changer, not just for football, but in terms of probably ultimately managing the epidemic going forward. Let's talk uh, about management and the on-field. Uh, if if we move forward, when we move forward for October 17th, pending this announcement we're expecting from the Big Ten, um, let's get into to, to Scott Frost in Nebraska and uh, their, their, new, uh, their new bro, uh, Ohio State and Iowa, right? So, uh, and you, the yes voters. Right, the, the, the yes men. What, uh, what's your reaction as, as a proud Husker and, and one of the, the best to play? What's your take on, on how Nebraska kind of pushed this thing forward? It's fourth I, and goal, right? That, you know, I'm happy that somebody was willing to stand up and basically say, hey, we think a wrong decision was made here. Now, it's Nebraska had to kind of crawl out on a little bit of a limb here because when you look at the other two schools, when you look at Iowa, you look at Ohio State, okay, you know what? They got some ground to stand on. They got a leg to stand on here in terms of directing some criticism back at the conference just by virtue of the fact of the on-field success that they've had. That gives you a little bit of sway. That gives you a little bit of pull and power in terms of being able to do that. Uh, Nebraska, one, they're kind of the new kid on the block. I know they've been in the conference for 10 years, but still like moving to a small town in Nebraska 20 years later, you're still the new kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But Nebraska's still kind of the new kid, and and they haven't had that on-field success, at least not in football. Uh, in terms of being that team to say, hey, here's what we think ought to be done. I mean, football-wise, Nebraska's still kind of sitting at the little kid's table a little bit. And so it it was a bit of a ballsy move to be able to stand up and make that noise and kind of start pushing the buttons that got the ball rolling. Absolutely agree with you on that. And then once Nebraska kind of got through the door or played fullback for everybody, you could follow your fullback and your offensive line into the end zone. I mean, without Nebraska piping up, this 
doesn't move forward. Rob, you, you get, we'll get that re, that return to play vote. You had the presentation by the medical committee. You had the presentation with TV and scheduling. So assuming things move forward and, and it's a return to play and that's what we're hoping for, do you believe we'll get all 14 teams or are you in the camp where you believe some will opt out? I've had two different thoughts on that. I still think some teams will opt out. They'll say, okay, we're not going to stand in everyone's way uh, opposed to the uh, 11 to three vote a month ago. Go ahead. But I think some teams will opt out. Or do you think the big 10 will show a step forward unity wise and all 14 teams will give it at least a shot? I bet there's teams that opt out. I, you know what, I, when you look across the country, maybe not necessarily as much at Division One, mm-hmm. um, but you look at there, there's a number of other conferences, and I think a lot of it had to do with resources. Even within the Big Ten, where you've got all of this revenue sharing, there's still some differences team to team in terms of what kind of revenue they've got, what kind of money those teams make. There's a big difference in terms of those resources between a Nebraska and Ohio State, a Rutgers. I, I think political differences play in here as well, too. I think when you look at some of the university leaders and how those university leaders interact, the connections and relationships they have with the individual politics, politicians, government within their individual states, Again, there is a huge difference between a Nebraska and a Maryland and Iowa and a Rutgers in terms of how uh, that university brass things from a political standpoint. And I think those factors are going to end up playing in here. And you're going to see some teams that opt out for, for, like I said, there's probably two or three big reasons that are all going to play into that. What about revenue sharing here? Do you pay them do you short them that's a bigger question assuming we get a full season in but put your commissioner hat on take your scrubs off and uh how would you handle that those that opt out boy that's a that's a tough one to deal with and i think a lot of it maybe comes down to i I think the reasons that are going to get put forth by an individual school for opting out i think if most of the schools that opt out opt out because they say hey we don't have the resources to handle the the testing, the medical care, the follow-up, things of that nature. Um, if that's the issue, then I think you're going to see they're going to go ahead and do revenue sharing with everybody. I think if the, the main reasons teams opt out, it's one of these, hey, just from a political standpoint, from a – decision-making, even if it's just a medical decision-making standpoint, we don't think it's the right thing to do, then I think you don't do revenue sharing. Now, again, this is kind of my opinion in terms of how to deal with this, but um, I'm almost one of those if it's a case where a school feels like, hey, this just just doesn't jive with our cultural or political mindset – well, then I don't think you get paid if you're not playing. Rob now, I don't know how many people from a television revenue standpoint are turning in to watch Rutgers and Maryland play anyway. <laughs> so how big a deal is that? People are going to watch Nebraska. People are going to watch Iowa. People are going to watch Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, et cetera. 
I, I don't know how many people really care about watching the Northwestern. I mean, what's the television share for a Northwestern Rutgers game? It's not very much. And so in terms of what those teams bring from a TV revenue value standpoint in the first place, I don't know if it matters all that much, in which case you could probably say, fine, go ahead, opt out. It doesn't. It, it wouldn't make much of a difference than if you did play from an overall revenue generation standpoint. Rob, I need five more minutes. Can I keep you five minutes? Got to take a quick break. Is that good with you? Absolutely. All right. Dr. Rob Zadiska, Husker Hall of Famer, part of that pipeline. And uh, we are talking Nebraska return to play as we await uh, official word from the Big Ten. And uh, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, back with us on the other side. It's Hale Varsity as we move forward. Uh, Teddy, we going to play Carter. The, uh, the hot mic that kicked off uh, a joyous day, we hope. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Extended sit-down with uh, Husker Hall of Famer and uh, All-American started uh, on those championship teams uh, with uh, Nebraska. So many Big 8 titles and national title in 94, Rob Zaniska. Dr. Rob Zaniska with us. And check his podcast out at Doc Talk. Rob does a great job with Travis Justice. Rob, thanks for for hanging out. You're very kind every time you come on. You uh, are fantastic. I appreciate you. Couple of last thoughts. One, do you expect any Big Ten revenge on Nebraska by the league at some point? Is either scheduling, or is that just uh, is that just because of of um, maybe some Big Twelve memories we may have. <laughs> You know, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, even when Nebraska left the Big 12, I didn't think the schedule was all that bad. I, th- I thought the on-field, I, I swear to God, on-field officiating took a turn for the worst. A&M, brother. That, A&M. Yeah, that, that, that last season, the on-field officiating, maybe it was just because the Big 12 officiating just took a nosedive. But, um, you know, I really don't think so because I think it looks, t- it'd be too obvious. <laughs> Um, now, at the same time, too, I, I don't think anybody's – I know Nebraska was the first one that kind of – I'm not sure raising the red flags the right for, way to put it, but mm-hmm. it, even though Nebraska was kind of the first university that stood up and basically said, hey, this isn't right, let's, let's kind of revisit this. We think we can play and we think we can do it safely and we think there's a way to do this. Let's keep talking about it. Let's keep pushing um, keep in mind, because you had parent groups from Iowa and Wisconsin and Ohio State that made a heck of a lot of noise here. Um, you, you had players, you had coaches from other schools that made a heck of a lot of noise. Now, I know Ohio State and Ryan Day swing a pretty big stick in the conference, mm-hmm. but, man, that was a little bit of a verbal bomb that Ryan Day dropped yeah. uh, this past week. And, and so... It's not like Nebraska's this lone lone ranger here that uh, it was the lone voice in all of this. Now, I, I still have a, a little bit of alumni pride in the fact that Nebraska was kind of one of the first schools that really made the news and bore a lot of the national media criticism for the things that they said. But we, but I mean, we are by far and away not the only one. I, I know, I know, the lawsuits kind of primarily came out of Nebraska, um, but again, I think in in most people's common sense mind, 
I don't think those lawsuits had a whole lot of intent, purpose, or effect other than to force the to, to force a spotlight to stay on this issue, to keep the media paying attention, to not let the conference on the whole relax. I think that was the ultimate purpose of these lawsuits was to get to where we're at right now. It, it wasn't one of these, hey, we really seriously think the – Big Ten Conference violated some number of their own bylaws and Freedom of Information Acts, et cetera. The, the whole intent was to get to this point where, we, where we're going to have an actual decision made and hopefully a little bit of transparency behind that decision as opposed to, hey, we decided there's no football and there really wasn't a vote and we're not going to tell you anything other than that. Rob Zadiska with us, Husker Standout, part of the Pipeline, his uh, podcast, Doc Talk. Last thought, Dr. Rob, Nebraska, their offensive line. I remember talking to you when spring ball started. We were feeling all right about the uh, the potential with, with Greg Austin's guys in a three-week ramp-up in a crazy 2020. Do you give Nebraska an advantage, at least on the offensive line, moving forward for what could be, we hope, uh, a full eight- or nine-game schedule? Uh, where does Nebraska kind of fit in based on what you think of the line? I don't know. That's a great question, and I hate giving you a vague That's answer okay, like that. But there were so many unanswered questions due to not having that spring football. And I know they've been doing some types of walkthroughs and practice down in Lincoln. I don't know how much, and I don't know how much they've been able to actually try out uh, that whole idea of moving Farniok to guard, having Ben Hart at tackle, uh, kind of figuring out who that other guard spot's going to be. Is it going to be Hickson? Is it going to be Bo Wilson? Um is it going to be one of the young guys like Ethan Piper? It's We were left with so many unanswered questions on that offensive line because of the loss of spring practice. It's going to be hard to say what they do. Now, my, my gut instinct, and a little of this goes back to what Greg Austin said, in that they, they've got – you know, they, they've got all five returning starters coming back, essentially. You can just move forward with those five guys. And you've got a little bit of a comfort level there. Those guys were playing what I would say would be an okay level of football at the end of last season. I'm not going to call it great, but it was okay. I think with uh, some different lineups, it could be better. Maybe they'll go ahead and just say, you know what, screw it. We're going to go with that revamp lineup going into the season, and we're just going to roll with it and see what happens. But I, I don't know. Until that first game rolls around, it, it's going to be hard. You're not going to know exactly what we're going to see. Well, that that's absolutely fair. Uh, you feel all right based on the starts for, for most of the guys. At least they've been in the action, so to speak. And you got uh, a little bit of time for, for Ben Hart, although very limited last year. But time will tell. Let's just get to that first game. Dr. Rob Zadiska with his Sale Varsity and uh, his podcast, Doc Talk. And, uh, Rob, uh, appreciate your time, man, and, and we'll do this again, and thanks for jumping on today. Absolutely. Hey, you guys have a great rest of the evening. You too. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now roll tide. 
and Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, weekend edition into Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr is with us. You can find us all on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Mark Skurs from Mark Cranach and two R's at Damon Barr. That's where you find Damon. We say hi to managing editor from HaleVarsity.com and magazine and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, what a week. The good news is football is back. Do you look at it as bad news that you might kick off the year with Ohio State? Um, it's, that, that's rarely good news, I guess, in a year like in a year like this, where uh, and maybe better week one than week eight, I guess. Um, and you you hope that you you catch a team like that uh, still working through some things. Now you've got to be. Uh, a little bit further advanced yourself uh, to, to fully take advantage of that. But I guess if you're just choosing, uh, it's probably the earlier you get Ohio State, probably the better because uh, they're only going to round into shape, probably not fall out of shape. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, Nebraska's schedule and the Big Ten schedule set to come out in under an hour on Fox It'll be the third iteration of the schedule, Brandon. Um, any insight for – From what I understand, it's going to be six divisional games. Those are kind of locked in. And then you're going to get three, no, two crossovers from the three that were already announced with the 10-game schedule, which means Rutgers, Penn State, or Ohio State, plus the whatever game at the end of the year where it's just matching seeds. Uh, any, Any pros or cons to say, Nebraska drawing Ohio State, Penn State versus Ohio State and Rutgers. What would you prefer? Um, Ohio State, Penn State, just from a kind of, well, from a curbside appeal standpoint, uh, those are obviously big games. Uh, we'll get pretty prominent placement on those, those Saturdays sh- should they happen. I mean, the Rutgers one was interesting uh, with the potential of, of Noah Vedral, of course, something we could talk about, you know, in the halcyon days of when we thought a regular football season was going to happen. Um, but I, I, I would be surprised. Like, it's, it's pretty hard <clears throat> to, say, <clears throat> to say no to an Ohio State-Nebraska game, assuming it all still works out with the, with the rest of the schedule. And, and I think you probably do what you can to make sure it works out. You know, Nebraska – we know we know where Nebraska has been over the last ten or fifteen years, and it's it's not where Ohio State has been by by any means. But it's still, two brand name programs, and and really, you know, it, Ohio State and Penn State deserving favorites, both top ten teams. You know, in the, the preseason polls that came out, I think you want to see what Nebraska can do. Uh, you know, this this season had it gone off on a regular schedule with a regular twelve games, it was still going to be about Hey, what progress is Nebraska making kind of year to year and, and getting your chance, getting a chance to test yourself against the top two teams in the, in the conference, uh, I think helps with that. Vogues, how are you looking at 2020? A gift, something extra. And I mean, 2020 has not been a gift, but I'm saying the fact that you get football after so many different 
roads you've had to take to, to, to get back to it, to revisit it, to, to get what you got last weekend. I don't – this sounds like I'm couching a, a bad record, but I think 2020's kind of always been about development and that next step. And to me, that next step looks a lot more like – uh, a grind-out Big Ten November win in 2018, Michigan State, than it does a um, a situation where you're getting blown out of the water and you're doubting yourself. I mean, I, I think the team, as much as they've put into it, as much as they fought, it's fitting that Ohio State and Nebraska kick things off. I mean, they've wanted to play the worst, and... Uh, you know, it would have been real easy to just say, hey, man, we're, we're a couple years away. Let's just use this to, to get better and not embarrass ourselves. Nebraska's not going that route. But how do you view 2020? I don't know if I know yet. Um, I, I kind of want to see some of those Big Ten games. And that, that's not a cop-out answer. I mean, when no, I think fine. about it, uh, big picture, I think you're going to have to get pretty detailed. Because no matter if it's Nebraska or, or some other team, like – I don't think this is remotely close to happening, but, but say, you know, we talked all in the lead up to this, like, well, big 10 has to come back by this date because they got to give Ohio state a shot at the playoff. Like what if through a bizarre, you know, once in a lifetime type of off season, it, it's more than just a bump in the road for Ohio state or they get unlucky with injuries or, or anything. And they go say five and three, um, something like that. It, it's just because it's so it, it has already been and will continue to be so outside the norm that depending on your point of view, I think it's kind of easy to explain or explain away, uh, depending on what you want to do this season as a whole. So, so if Nebraska has a rough one, it's like, well, you know, if, if everything had been normal, probably would have seen the progress. So for that reason, I kind of approach this thinking you're going to have to look pretty detailed. Like is, is Nebraska's run game, uh, improved from where it was a year ago. That, that's really kind of one of the undercurrents, the, the constant keys for me in determining where this program's at in, in trying to get back to where it wants to go. Um, you could look at things like penalties. You know, is, are, are those things down? Would you really have every – I mean, if, if penalties as a whole were across or up, the, up across college football, I don't think that would surprise anybody given what everybody's dealing with. So if you do something like that, maybe that's a little bit more telling. And I almost think those things for me, by the time we get to the end of the year, will, will carry a little more rate, weight than uh, whatever the records may be. Hey, Brandon, are you going to apply to be the uh, chief infection officer <laughs> at Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> He's the chief barbecue officer. Dude, that's literally, though, a title that each team is going to have to appoint is a chief infection officer. Um <laughs> It's like the worst yeah. title. <laughs> Could you picture a worse title on a resume? I'm just like, it's a bad name tag. It's not good. Um, just want to go into this testing a little bit. Uh, I, uh, so, because th- there, there's a couple things that work. So, from a team perspective, this is how it works. If you have, if you have greater than five percent positivity as a team, positive test divided by total number of tests administered, more than 5% there. And then if your population positivity rate, meaning how many people are in the program and divided by number of individuals that are positive, if you kind of meet that threshold, which is 7.5%, the other threshold, which is 5%, 
the team suspends activities for seven days. The individual, the individual who tests positive is out for 21 days. All that said, I'm curious, Brandon, if you've seen this testing, the antigen testing that's in place, super sensitive, right? It detects a level of virus that is pre-infection that maybe other testing um, methods would not pick up. So presumably it's more, it's it's just more sensitive like that. And presumably you, you'd pick up more positives. But do you know, Brent, is it infection positivity rate or just presence of the virus positivity rate? Because I think that is a, uh, uh, that, that those are semantics that really matter as to whether or not the team's going to be able to, uh, you know, be able to practice and play. Yeah. And there's a, there's a couple of those in this for me and, and I don't know the answers yet. Um, so I, I believe, I think what I read through the, the medical documents from the conference. So if you test positive um, for, for the presence of the virus with this antigen testing, then you go to the, the old style test and get tested there. And, and if that's a positive, then you're, you're basically out for 21 days. Right. Um, the individual player, I mean, and this is all based on seven day rolling averages. So it's never like, well, we had 15% today. So, I mean, it may stop practice that day for sure. Um, but you know, there's still some chance to make up the ground. The other thing I'm really interested in is like, is this specifically outlined? So for that team, team percentage, it, does the big 10 have a standard there of, okay, everyone. Uh, so for that, population, the, the team population is players, coaches, graduate assistants, training. I mean, is it everybody at practice? Because then you're getting up to 215, 220 people probably at a place like Nebraska, maybe not quite that high, but you're certainly approaching 200 uh, because if it's not outlined that way, then, you know, Hey, Tuesday might be the day to test those student managers finally, depending on where your numbers are at. And I'm, I'm not saying teams aren't going to do this in good faith because I absolutely think they will. There are, there are serious, you know, health and safety concerns here. Um, so I, I, it's, it's not recruiting. It's not where you're like, oh, everybody's just going to manipulate it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if it's not outlined and we don't know that it is yet, um, it's, it's hard to know exactly, like, the test at first glance seems pretty stringent, but there's just a couple other questions I need answered before we, we fully know what it's going to look like. You know, you hear stories back in the day when it came to steroid testing around the world of college football. You had a couple of guys that could take the P test for you. Uh, let's just fast forward this thing to a 2.0 version where you got your COVID testers, right, Brandon? <laughs> Need a couple of a couple of clean bodies who, yeah. who, who get the nicest dorm rooms, dorm rooms on campus, whatever they need. Uh, yeah. don't, don't go, don't go anywhere. Uh, they, you can only talk to them, no eye contact, and it's FaceTime only. Uh, right? I mean, they're just in their bubble. What's your thoughts on the opt-in and waiver situation? Listen, I'm I'm all for Ohio State's two studs coming back. I'd like to see Bateman with Minnesota. Uh, if James Franklin can re-recruit Micah Parsons, more power to him. And then uh, I, I would love to see Rondale versus Wandale. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, how do you think that proceeds? Do you think the, the NCAA can move quickly and, and get something turned around so these kids who had no hope of playing their final year of college ball can at least come back and be with their teammates? 
I would think so. It would be a really tough look to, <laughs> yeah, you know, tell to tell Micah Parsons, be like, hey, sorry, we thought you, you thought your season was done and you uh, weren't going to get one more year, but that was a choice you made. You can't come back. I'm assuming all of these will will go through. And, yeah, you know, when we talked, I think, on, on Thursday, talking about Rashad Bateman and what a huge loss that was for Minnesota, well, now it looks like – Pending that waiver, he'll be back. And that's good. You know, um, it isn't all about you want to see the college football that we thought we were going to see, or at least as close to it as we can get. And the more good players that are able to opt back in, uh, the closer the closer we come with that. So I hope all those guys, and I think they will, um, if they want to play, they'll be given the opportunity to play. And that's the right thing to do. Brandon, is there a silver lining here, do you think, with sort of like – Yes, you missed out on a lot of spring practice, but you're also you're getting kind of this extended fall camp. Yes, there's been interruptions, but it just just in terms of like volume of reps, volume of practices dating back to early August. Is that is there a silver lining here that you know could help a team like Nebraska who's trying to break in players like Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, you know, the inexperienced receiver position? Do you, do you think it's going to sort of like shorten their acclimation period because they're getting so many reps? I, I, I think it could. Uh, I think the bigger thing, um, and I, I talked about that a little bit on the, the Varsity Club podcast with, with our staff this week, um, you know, think back to that initial Scott Frost press conference where he was talking about how encouraged he was with how the team, he saw them kind of bonding and, and forming through this and, you know, we didn't, we didn't get to see the fruits of that. You know, maybe we still will. Um, if that shows up on the field, I think that's a very good development. But in addition to kind of this weird kind of practice schedule where we know Nebraska had a bunch of guys stay in Lincoln, even through the spring, uh, you know, when there was kind of every, every chance and reason to, to go home, they had a good portion stick around. I think this has the opportunity to be kind of a, a touch point or a, coming together for this group that hasn't totally shown up on the field through those, those first two years. Um, you know, everyone was optimistic in, in 2018, but cautiously so, and you come in and you go forward and again. So, I mean, we, we all remember there were some encouraging things in that, in that season. It wasn't like they didn't make progress. I'm not saying that it's just the, the proof was, was hard. And then last year things were really optimistic and, and you won one more game. So again, you kind of have that like, well, when's it going to click for us? And I, and I don't know if the amount of time Nebraska was able to spend together as a team through all of these bizarre circumstances are that touch point either. But I think it has an opportunity for that to be in a way that a team like Penn State, and who knows, maybe they're saying the exact same thing, but that's a team that with the way they were set up, with the talent they had at the points they were at in their careers, they benefit from a, you know, just regular season in a vacuum. If everything's normal, Penn State's going to be pretty good. Nebraska, we didn't have that with with the Huskers yet. So I think there is a chance that it boosts them a little bit in, in a way that isn't true for all teams. Brandon Vogels with us, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Weekend Edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. From a mindset standpoint, you know, what – What's the rallying cry for this Nebraska team? Is it 
our voice helped get football back? Is it let's help uh, get Coach Frost into year three after you know a really tough beginning to this football year with the postponement? And then, of course, from a personal side, the loss of his father. Let's go help take care of Frost. Or do you look at it as, and I saw this with Colin Miller's Twitter, where the uh, the old us against the world kind of veered its head up just because of all the, the arrows Nebraska's taken nationally. And that's that's something that I don't know if, if players care about at this point, but just the national narrative, right? I mean, if you get Ohio State and Nebraska to kick things off, if it doesn't go well, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be let's get in line and uh, pile on Nebraska, you know, about – you could revisit just how vocal and um, uh, renegade Nebraska was in, in some national circles. How do you think the, the, the team will rally? Or is it just as simple as, hey, we fought to get football back, we're getting a chance, and they're going to play free because of that? Yeah, I think, I, I think Nebraska can kind of go into this year with some sort of feeling of, hey, we're already wanted out. In terms of just their willingness to fight and the role that they played in, in getting a football season at all, I mean, I kind of look at that decision as if you don't have the public pressure, but you have the rapid testing, it doesn't happen. I don't know if the Big Ten willingly on its own goes back and says, hey, there's been some developments here, and, and we're going to look at this again. If you have the public pressure but don't have the rapid testing, I don't know if it happens either. So it was, it was those two things. But Nebraska was certainly one of the most vocal and out front. And they can kind of – I think they can use that as a, a little bit of a boost right from the start of saying, hey, we were, we were out there. Our coach was out there fighting for us. Um, now we've got to kind of make good on this. And I, I think you use the right word. It, it allows you to play a little bit free. Now it's like, okay, now we can just focus on the football. Um, should also offer some, some uh, incentive to be pretty vigilant uh, in terms of all of the things they're being asked to do with the with the safety protocols. I mean, could you imagine if, if Nebraska, God forbid, ends up as one of these teams that, that can't play a game um, <laughs> based on, on, on what we saw from, uh, you know, not just uh, not just the, the national media, but just at, you know, outside fan bases. Um, it, it, it's one of those kind of made-for-college-football Twitter things if, if that should happen. So, so there's ample motivation here for Nebraska, I think, on, on multiple fronts. All right, Brandon, you're the chief sellout officer. Not sellout as though, like, hey, man, you sold out. Sellout as in, like, selling out a stadium. Uh, how do you handle this year officially as you tout the consecutive sellouts? Uh, I think you basically just put it on pause, um, <laughs> you know, or you, you do the one golden ticket and you sell one ticket, official attendance one. And uh, oh, if you want, if you want to boost the numbers, um, you could, you could go that route. No, I think, you know, we, we've seen this question a couple of times in, in the mailbag as it looked like a completely full stadium and, you know, I, if you don't have any tickets to sell, really, and it, you know, it sounds like based on the big t- what the Big Ten has released thus far, parents will be allowed in. I guess technically you have to put those up for sale. But I think you just put pause on the streak. Um, everyone understands why. It's, it's unique circumstances. And everyone can probably assume that had there not been restrictions in place, 
Nebraska's streak probably would have continued. So I say let's just pick it back up in 2021. Do you think, by the way, that Nebraska will do something akin to, you know, what the Dodgers and several major league teams have been doing, where you have like the cardboard cutouts of the fake fans? Do you expect Nebraska to do something to include fans that's maybe outside the norm? Yeah, Bill Moose referenced doing, trying to do something, but didn't get specific. I'd be surprised with the cardboard cutouts, but maybe. I mean, the, the timeline is just so short to actually getting back on the field that I'm guessing it'll be, it'll be tough to, to do that, particularly with, you know, reduced staffing at the moment, which hopefully will uh, start being alleviated soon, but short staffing in the athletic department, we know that they do a great job are, are more than capable of being creative here. Like we saw with the, the virtual spring game. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure there'll be some things to, to try and get some people involved in a, in a way that gives you something. You can't be in the stadium, but, but here's something. Um, cardboard cutouts. I mean, we haven't seen it a ton in college football yet, so I'm guessing they'll probably forego that. I've got to go know? here. Will we Don't see a will we, will we see a, a Joe Burrow cardboard cutout in the end zone against Nebraska uh, in Columbus Week One? <laughs> that would be pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah. I'm just. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> have a cardboard cut out of him when he was like five years old riding his bike around Memorial Stadium. Just go there. You could have a whole consternation corner of like all the human beings that have have rattled Nebraska. You got Major Applewhite in there. You got Chase Daniel. Wow. You know, go ahead and throw in Burrow. Throw in Gabbert. Well, Nebraska Nebraska needs to bring their own cardboard cut out for the, uh, the visiting section and have uh, Stanley Baptiste and and uh, Levante David and and Rex Burkhead, you know, cutouts with them. Bring them with. The last time they beat Ohio State, and uh, light, and then and then Ohio State will just counter with you know a big old giant replay on loop of the Lightborn kickoff. So, yeah, or the the photo of Memorial Stadium and that. Was it 2017 game at halftime? Um, Or or just the look in the eyes coming out of the tunnel of 2017? (laughs) Let's go back in the gate. Vogues, what are you working on this weekend, bud? Well, we'll be watching a big noon Saturday. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to release about one game every 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. I doubt they're going to show up and say, we know everybody wants to get back to game day, so here's Big Ten schedule. Uh, so, yeah, uh, did some legwork, some, I guess, pre-legwork on that last night once the announcement came down. So, analyzed those schedules a little bit for today. Um, just had some baseball go up on the, on the website, courtesy of Mike Babcock, and preps coverage from last night from our team. So it'll be a pretty full weekend. I got to see uh, Greg Smith and Derek Peterson uh, last night at the Southeast prep game. What a what a fourth quarter that was, man! What a game and awesome write up. Uh, some really talented kids from Southeast. Uh, awesome program, and of course prep and. And uh, Rollins, uh, fantastic uh, there. So, yeah, read that. Vogues, you're awesome, man. It was fun to chat. Great to have football back, and we'll do this again soon, bud. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. It's Brandon Vogel, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor. Get his book, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. And uh, it's time for the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp coming up next on Hail Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with your weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr, the Iron Horse is in. It's Gary Sharp. Sharpie feels a little bit different today. We had hope last Saturday. We still have hope today, but uh, a little more certainty in a uncertain world. How are you this morning? Good. How does it feel to be five weeks from opening day? Dude, I have been waiting for you to give me the update for a long time, man. And, and we, you, would, you know, for years, it's, well, it's 8,000 days till kickoff. I mean, you would be there for us and say, hey, just uh, 12 days till kickoff, five <laughs> weeks from kickoff. We got quite the uh, the morning war going on between game day and, and Fox. And my question is, has somebody from the Big Ten office confiscated uh, – uh, Ronnie uh, Green's Twitter handle or uh, Teddy Teddy Carter's phone. I mean, can Nebraska uh, one up the Big Ten here one more time this week here before uh, Big Noon? Well, that would be great. Like in the next ten minutes, if Nebraska sends out their uh, schedule, but let's don't even let's don't even try and avoid it anymore. The Big Ten and Nebraska are at war. I mean, when Ronnie when Ted Carter says, "Hey, later tonight, there's going to be something coming down." And the Big Ten says, no, we'll wait until Wednesday morning. But yet on a recorded statement, one of the spokespeople for the Big Ten says, welcome to blah, 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 Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. Then you have Ronnie Green yesterday say early next week. And the next thing you know, late last night, here we go. The schedule is going to be released on Fox. At least we get one. You know, when we were talking last week, guys, I said the Big Ten has to do something. They have to have some type of plan whenever they're starting. Um, They got quickly to a plan. I'm encouraged. The messaging was so much better this time rolling out than, of course, back in August. Uh, if you want to go back, you can and, and break down what happened in those five-plus weeks. But now the conference has to move forward. I think, you know what, they went from being the laughing stock of college athletics in what they did and the way they presented it to I think they get some kudos for their return to play because it's the most stringent protocols for health that anybody has at the collegiate level. And that's put on the Big Ten because now they put the onus on the players, the staff, everyone involved, that if you want to play, you have to do the right thing because if you trip up, you're going to be out for 21 days and your team could be out as well. And I think because of the rapid daily testing, you'll be able to prevent some outbreaks. I still think we're going to have a hiccup or here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know that everybody will get to play nine games in nine weeks. But it's game on. I mean, you have no let-up. When you get the schedule today, you're going to find out. You have no buys. You go eight weeks and uh, eight games, and you try and find a way of uh, an opponent on that championship week. So I like the Big Ten a lot better this week. I still think they got some issues, but we got something. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, you know, as you look at the at the testing protocols, you're right. What, one thing I'm trying to figure out, Gary, I don't know if you've figured it out yet, um, Brandon Vogel hadn't either. Um, but because this testing is so much more, I guess, accurate, right? It detects a level of virus that other testing does not detect. It's like it detects pre-infection level of virus in your body. So somebody walking around, no, no infection, no symptoms, but presence of the virus, no matter how small. So that's promising overall medically. Like that's good. But do you know if that counts towards the percentage thresholds that dictate whether or not a player can play or, or a team can practice? Do you know if – does it have to be an infection or is it just presence of the virus? 
Now I'm going to, this is what I've garnered, and that's a great question. And we still have some questions about the population. You know, we didn't know if it was the community, was it the campus, was it, you know, just your football program. I believe it is if you have the infection is Hmm. when that is registered. And if that's the case, you feel a little bit more comfortable. But you're absolutely right about the, the accuracy of the testing, which is big because look at what we've had in the last 24 hours. We've had Florida Atlantic and Georgia Southern have to step aside. But I think even more where the Big Ten can avoid this is Baylor and Houston, where Baylor has multiple players that are in contact tracing. You should be able to avoid that with the Big Ten. But I think those kind of questions, Mark, and, and Schmitty and Damon, those are still out there that I, I think the Big Ten will need to address so that everybody's on the same page. There's still a lot of red tape to go through, and I think coaches are excited. You know, there were schools practicing yesterday, but they still have questions on how this works and how this will be applied and what their role in all of this is. Gary Sharp is with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Weekend. If uh, the uh, announcement is what we think it may be, and that is Nebraska at Ohio State Week 1, your reaction is what? Well, I think Nebraska is going to play Ohio State on the road. They're going to play Penn State at home. They'll drop the Rutgers game. You know, this is the pre-COVID-19 schedule. Nobody should be whining. Nebraska needs to find out where they're at. And if you're playing Ohio State, it's the two teams that they should put together a trophy game for. Maybe it's those hands from Happy Gilmore, Chubb's hands, (laughs) that are just reaching across and, and the hands are together because they kind of bonded with each other, you know, Nebraska made some noise, and Ohio State beat the drum. And those two programs kept fighting through, and they wouldn't take no for an answer. And we got to where we are midweek and to where we are this morning where we're going to get a schedule. I'll be interested to see how the Big Ten rolls out a schedule because I don't think you can start the season in October 23rd and 24th and have bad games. I think you've got to come out with a bang. But I'm also very curious to see, like, for example, Ohio State, Michigan, where that's placed on the schedule. If Nebraska gets their wish and they're in Iowa City on Black Friday. Uh, lots of questions, but whatever the schedule is, we'll take it and we'll keep our fingers crossed that five weeks from now, whether on a Friday or a Saturday, Nebraska's playing football. But whatever that Ohio State-Nebraska game is, and there's going to be a lot of unifying going on on both sidelines because Ohio State-Nebraska from here on out are brothers in arms. Do you think on the field, though, Nebraska's ready for that smoke? <laughs> ready well, to play I, okay, so, Ohio State? So this is, this is the fun part of all of our jobs, guys. We get to now start talking about X's and O's again and about the football stuff. We, we assume, I think there's going to be some teams that are really going to be slow out of the game because they either haven't been together, they have had to take some time off. I think the teams that really have not missed a beat since June 1 are going to be ready to go. I think we, we, we think... Nebraska's in that category that this could be what they went through, maybe a plus one on the side of a win. I think it actually might benefit the program more in 21. But Nebraska still has the same issues they had before they shut it down. They still have the same questions. I think you, 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 you kind of want to avoid Ohio State at all costs because Ohio State will be on a mission. Ohio State has to at least go 8-1, and one, ideally go 9-0, and oh, and they probably need to steamroll about seven of those opponents to have the college football playoff committee look at them and go, oh, yeah, they're one of the best four. But you know what? You've got to find out where you're at. It's okay to find out where you're at. Um, and if it's Ohio State in the opener, well, here we go. It's the two teams that haven't missed a beat. So that might be one of the more entertaining and more competitive games you hope to kick off the season. 
And if you do open up with Ohio State and, and they hand it to you, but it's it's just that they're that good. It's not it's not really about you. It's more about them. Sharpie, I think it could be building, and I and I'm not moral victory guy, but hey, you you, you came out of the gate after a lot of rust on a lot of different weeks because of this stupid virus. You can only go up, right? So and, and that's that's who you're chasing. Everyone's chasing in the league. Hey, it yeah, could want, it, it could benefit you the rest of the years where I'm looking at it. Well, and, and it's on the schedule. I mean, look at the Nebraska yeah. schedule next year, and then from and let's just be honest. From here on out, the Big Ten is not going to do Nebraska any favors for the <laughs> schedule. Actually, I expect here in about fifteen twenty minutes when the schedule comes out, Nebraska will open at Ohio State, and then they will get to go to Clemson, South Carolina. They'll go to Tuscaloosa. I believe they will stop <laughs> in Athens, and then they will come back and play in Columbus. And then they will give them a home game, and maybe like five to ten fans will be allowed. Right. Um, but Nebraska's got a difficult schedule this year. They got a difficult schedule next year. You have to play. You have to find out where you want, where you are. If you're a competitor, you want to go out and play the best. And of course, Ohio State is the best. But let's find out about Nebraska. This is the year to find out these questions that we've had about Nebraska. Let's get them answered. Because I, I think this year is one of those years where we still have questions, but we feel like it's heading in the right direction. That 21 sets up really well. So I'm just glad they're going to play football this year. They're going to find a way to do it safely. And you know what? The added caveat of this is everybody gets a free season, and it's not a free season where you linger into 21. It's a free season in 20, and then you can turn around and play in 21, which I think will be a huge benefit to a program like Nebraska. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go into that a little bit further because that, that's kind of tough to wrap your brain around still. So everybody that plays this year, it's like they didn't play. It's like there's there's no eligibility like ramifications to playing this year, right? And that's nope. how it's looked nope. at. So like a senior like Ben Stilley, he gets basically two senior years. What will that do as we look forward? One to like roster management, and then two just to sort of depth in general and. What does a ruling like this, like which types of teams does this favor? I think this favors teams that don't have an abundance of seniors. Nebraska doesn't have an abundance of seniors. But what will happen is guys like Ben Stilley, Diedrich Mills, Brendan Hymas, guys that we think are going to move on, especially Mills and Hymas, um, they finally get some film. So more than likely they will move on. And as a coach, you don't have to make those tough, tough decisions about scholarship numbers and who you get to stay and because you promise somebody else or you have a, you know, people coming up, but it's an opportunity. I also think for younger players to play, I, everybody's going to need a lot of depth here. And I'm not just talking walk-ons. You're going to need all 85 scholarship people to contribute. So you can play freshmen and you don't have to worry about a limitation on their games. You can experiment with freshmen if need be. Uh, but if the teams that are much older, I think it'll affect them the most. I think teams that are younger that don't have an abundance of upperclassmen like Nebraska, I think it'll benefit because you'll make that transition and you'll get the younger guys a lot more work, so you'll continue to develop depth. But I'm also happy for guys that are in this league that are like the Mills or the Hymases, you know, or the Boodles that have uh, an idea of playing at the next level. They're third, fourth, fifth-round guys. They're going to get some film for the NFL scouts so they can improve their stock where – it didn't look like that was going to happen, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Sharpie, I want to go to the fans' uh, question and topic. And while the Big Ten stepped in and said, we don't care what your local authorities and health officials have to say, no fans for anybody, 
Uh, do you think if let me let me put it this way hypothetically if if we could pool our money and afford a skybox, uh, do you think we'd be able to maybe sneak our way in, or do you think it's going to be pretty tight when it comes to who can actually be in there? I mean, it, it's open to family, right? Well, that's what the plan is. I actually think, guys, after the first couple of games, that they may revisit this. Uh, I think it's more than Nebraska that is asking. Uh, about fans and selling single-game tickets that we might get a couple of weeks in and the Big Ten looks across the board and says, okay, if it's okay in your local community and you have a plan, we'll allow you to have fans. I think originally when they rolled this out, they didn't want to get into that debate. They wanted to be fair across the board. Either some will have fans or nobody will have fans or everybody will have fans. Um, I, don't, you know, I, think they'll be, I actually think they'll be awful tight on this that they will follow those protocols because everybody has to be buttoned up through this. It is not easy to navigate what the Big Ten has put in front of you. They have said, okay, you want to play football, you got to do this, this, and this. And schools are looking at it and they're going, all right, it's a business. We're spending a lot of money. Rapid daily testing, guys, is very expensive. We're spending a lot of money to make some money, so we're not going to mess this up. But I, I wouldn't be surprised maybe if we get to week four, that possibly there could be in your local community's fans. But by that time, it might be awful cold in some of these Big Ten locales. Okay, I got a, uh, in a year full of, you know, if this, then what kind of questions. <laughs> um, how about this one, Gary? Just curious here, putting you on the spot. If coronavirus takes over the quarterback room and literally all five quarterbacks on the roster are not able to play, who's playing quarterback? Who would you pick from the current team Don't ask to that. step in? I would go Cam Taylor Britt. Nice work. Okay. Okay. And and elaborate. I, I know why, but for, for our he, listeners who may not. He is he played he played quarterback in high school in Alabama and was pretty good. But mm-hmm. when Nebraska recruited him, they said, We see you more as a defensive back. I you know, and I think I've heard stories that he's kind of messed around like during the spring at quarterback. Uh, he would be the guy that I would put in there. But you bring up an interesting point. You know, I think we're going to see as we get closer to the return for the Big Ten, they're going to follow the, the lines of the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC, that there is a minimum number of scholarship players that you have to have available. Uh, the SEC is going to vote this week on 53, which you have to have at least a minimum of one quarterback, I believe seven offensive linemen, one of them has to be a center, and then four defensive linemen. Um, you know, so that you can play. I, I think you'll see that in the Big Ten. But it would not be it would not be a bad idea to take a guy like Logan Smothers and maybe maybe have him hang out somewhere else. You know, not be in that quarterback room every day, just mm. in case something happens. Maybe Logan Smothers is uh, out at Beechner Field working out with you know walk on wide receivers, so that you can keep him healthy just in case. Um, you know, look at. Josh McCallan is a COVID quarterback, uh, and he's hanging out at his house. It's, it's not a bad idea, and I wonder how many of the programs are thinking about it. But there will be a minimum of scholarship players at each position that I think the Big Ten will adhere to. Um, that is, you know, if, you, if you're missing 30-plus scholarship guys, you've got a big problem on your hands. And in this case, the Big Ten would shut you down for 
a week and you wouldn't be playing anyhow. Sharpie, we'll get you out of here on this, man, and it's great to, to talk football. Just a thought from you on on uh, Larry Frost. I, I know you've covered high school sports uh, for a, a large part of your career, and uh, just sad, sad news this week for the Frost family and condolences to Scott, his brother, and, and mother. But uh, did you have much interaction uh, with Larry in your career or uh, just a thought or two as we say goodbye? I did a, a couple of times. I uh, was able to interact with Coach, you know, he was coach, and Scott and Steve's mom, Carol, was coach before we ever knew about Scott and Steve. Um, very, very generous man. Uh, loved the game of football. He loved being a husband. He loved even more being a father uh, to those two boys. I know there was great pride in seeing his sons become successful in the sport that he loved and was so successful at in his time in Nebraska, and then starting with Malcolm, and then the time that he has spent. Loved young people. Loved the energy of the game of football. Um, you know, he was just a very, a very quiet man. Uh, when you'd hear him speak, uh, and he was just, he was very generous with his time. And I, and I think it shows, you know, what a wild range of emotion, guys, for Scott Frost on, on Wednesday. And, and his father had been battling cancer for a while and had not been in the greatest of shape. So you're trying to get back to the field, and you have these players that are fighting to get back on the field, and you're supporting them, and you're trying to keep everybody together. And somebody who has really framed you as a football mind and as a person, your father, is toward the end of his days. And you have to fight those emotions. And, you know, I think Scott kept it pretty much in check. And you guys know he's pretty private about his family. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that publicly people are talking about Larry Frost because all the stories that you're hearing from ex-teammates at Nebraska, from Coach Osborne, um, from other people that knew Larry – they're absolutely true, and we will always have the moment, and I happened to be there uh, a couple of years ago at the High School Hall of Fame banquet in Lincoln. Scott and his father went in at the same time, and it was a pretty cool moment that we'll all cherish and remember, and I hope more people share stories about Larry Frost. Sharpie, thanks for the thought, man. Uh, we'll uh, get back at it next week, and uh, have a good week, buddy. Thanks for the time. Hey, thanks, guys, as always. Take care. That is thanks. the Iron Horse, Gary well, Sharp. You think about how sort of innovative Larry Frost was. I mean, you just think about the decision, especially at the time that he did it, of how atypical it would be to hire your wife as an assistant football coach. Right? Like, what? Who does that? Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and you just think of the – you. I mean, it doesn't happen now, let alone 30-some years ago when he first started doing it. And you just think about how Scott has grown up in such a unique way because of like how his parents are. His mom's mm -hmm. a world class Olympian and was a football coach, and was right? a hell of a hell of a wide receivers coach. He is a hell of a right. wide receivers coach, right? <laughs> it's like such a unique upbringing, and and you know, and I that's that's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible, and it gives you a little bit of insight, I think, into sort of how Scott rolls. Like the example that he saw growing up is just like. You, the whole concept of diversity or whatever mm -hmm. is just burned into them. Yeah. It's not. It's not even like a thought, right? You're just sort of like that's just yeah. Like whoever can do the job is is. I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care. Yeah. Black, white, right? Like it's. It's really it's really interesting how um, how he's grown up and Larry left a legacy. Who's a hell of a player? Too. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> Let's not forget that. There's a reason why he went to the Hall of Fame. Well, Cranack, we'll be back at it. We'll have a full schedule to, to 
chat about next week and uh, have a good week yourself, brother. You as well. All right. That's Mark Cranack, Chris Schmidt. Big thanks to Damon Barr. You want to get a hold of this show. It was pretty fun to actually talk about uh, the future and where things are at. Uh, we can check that out, uh, HaleVarsity.com or iTunes for the podcast. We'll be ready to go at four on Monday with Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a good one.